Thank you for downloading the podcast. We believe the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Praise the Lord. In your Bibles this morning, turn if you will to the book of Joshua. Felt in my spirit to teach on this this morning. Teaching is a good thing. You know, everywhere that Jesus ran into unbelief, if you'll notice this when you study the Gospels, everywhere Jesus ran into unbelief, he began to teach. Because one thing that teaching will do, it will remove unbelief. Unbelief stops the mighty power of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? The Bible says when he went to his own hometown, he could do no mighty works because of their unbelief. Isn't that amazing? That a man that was out raising the dead, healing every sick person that would, that would respond with any type of faith whatsoever, uh, that were opening blind eyes, calling cripples to walk, calming the sea, uh, walking on water, uh, taking a few loaves and a few, breast, uh, a few pieces of bread, feeding thousands of people. He comes to his own, town, own hometown and, and unbelief shuts him down. Just shuts him down. You know, does the same thing today. Unbelief was shut down. It'll, it'll shut down the move of God. Well, the good news is, is we can teach the word of God and remove unbelief. Get it out of our hearts. Get it out of our spirit. Get it out of the church. And then as we believe together, it's amazing what God can do if we'll just believe. And you know, I heard a preacher say this years ago. I thought it was so good. He said, with the same effort that you're in unbelief, you could be in faith. Isn't that amazing? With the same effort. You say, what do you mean effort? Well, how, do you, how, do you, how are you in unbelief? Well, you choose not to believe. And by choosing not to believe, you choose to do what? Say. Well, I don't believe that. That doesn't work. Well, that's not God. Well, that's not going to work. Well, I, I know, I know uh, my, my Aunt Doris, she believed God for healing. She died. Uh, Uncle Bob, he believed God for finances and went broke. See, you take all of those different negative things that happen to other people, you incorporate them into your own mind, and then all of a sudden you begin to talk that way and you enter right into unbelief. And that's the most miserable place you can live as a Christian is in, in unbelief. I tell you, if you live in faith, it'll give you joy. If you live in faith, you'll have peace. If you live in faith, you'll be happy. You say, well, I hadn't got what I'm believing God for yet, but man, it's on its way. I sure am expecting Hallelujah. Did I, tell you, did I tell you Joshua chapter 1? Are you there? If you're there, say amen. amen. Notice there in verse 8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all according to is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Now notice this again. Who's going to make your way prosperous? Who's going to make your way prosperous? Anybody know? You are. Thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and thou shalt have good success. Now notice this. In this scripture, we see several things, but one thing predominantly, it is the will of God that you have good success. Let me say that again, because a lot of people, I, I, I don't know why uh, religion and denominationalism and the theology, philosophy, whatever you want to call it, has so muddied the waters when it comes to the will of God, thinking that, well, you know, for some it may be the will of God for them to be blessed, but in order to really get a good, pious life out of someone else, they, they, then they're going to be poor. Uh, they're they're going to be sick. Uh, they're going to have all these problems. But in so going through all, they're really going to glorify God in their life. You don't go glorify God in your problem. You glorify God when you come out of your problem. You glorify God when you see a problem, recognize that the word is the answer, stand on that word, come out and give him all the glory. Amen? 
So God wants you to have good success, which means not all success is good success. How many athletes? How many businessmen? How many people, you know, that their uh, uh, life has been written across the pages of the media? That, you know, it's amazing how, you know, the media be when you're, when you're uh, having good, uh, when you're having success and, and all's going well and the media is talking about you. But boy, you let them just fall off in the ditch and have some problems. And the media that was your buddy, they'll be your enemy, like overnight. I mean, you can be the hero of the football team and, and uh, win the Super Bowl. But the next year, if you lose five games in a row, you're not a hero anymore. They'll tear you apart. Amen. But not all success is good success. God wants his children to have good success. That means the success that God gives you doesn't ruin your life. Now, listen, I've seen people in the ministry that started out with nothing, just believe in God, and built up a great ministry and had success and blessing, but it drove everybody around them, even their family, crazy. I've seen, I've seen ministers that uh, I know two particular that I'm, that I'm thinking of. Uh, when I was just coming on the scene back in the mid-80s, the early to mid-80s, and I began to preach and go to little churches and little, little, little gospel businessmen uh, meetings, and, and I know two particular pastors. They had churches. One of them, a church over 10,000. Another church had a, another pastor out of a church of close to 7,500 people. They had revival. They had money. They had buildings. They flew their own airplanes. They, they, they had everything that you could think of that was good success. But then all of a sudden, something went awry. Something went wrong. Actually, both ministers got in the ditch on particular doctrines and would not be corrected. I made this decision in my life a long time ago. No matter where I am in ministry, if I get in a ditch, I say, Lord, send me somebody that'll correct me and I'll listen to them. Yeah. Amen. I'm not going to end up like that. And now, neither of those two churches exist. And neither of those two men are in the ministry to any level of success that you would even call, could even hardly make a wage in which they could operate or live. One of them in particular sells insurance now just to make enough money to get by with. Had a congregation of 10,000 people. That's not good success. Good success is when you live your life out. You live your days out. Amen. You, 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 you over to your church, the church that you raise up and the ministry that you raise up, the people that come up in it, uh, they, they're a part of it. They receive an inheritance. They have a blessing upon their own life. The next generation of our children and our children's children take the ministry over and take it up to other next new levels. Amen. People get, they, they criticize uh, uh, a lot of times uh, 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 Joel Osteen because he's not like his daddy. Well, thank God we had his daddy, but now we have him. And he's taking that whole ministry to another level. That's what I call good success. I say, I call that good success. Their families are blessed. All the kids are blessed. All the people that stayed and worked in the ministry are blessed. Come on, church. That's good success. It's not good success to build a ministry and then see it go into the ditch. So God wants us to have good success. Now, in this scripture, he's given us a formula. Number one, this book of the law, we'll say it like this. The word shall not depart out of your mouth. So you're going to have to be I think people still have a hard time grasping the reality. Somebody said the fact. Well, it's not a fact, it's a truth. Facts change, truth never changes. Grasping the truth that if you're going to be an overcomer, you're going to have to get the Word of God in your mouth. And you're going to have to keep it there. And you're going to have to speak it every day. And when you're tempted to speak something negative, you don't do it, you stand on the Word. And when your circumstances are going completely opposite of what you're saying, you still stand on the Word and you rejoice and thank God that the Word is working mightily in your life. You've got to get that word working in your mouth. 
Amen. It shall not depart where out of your mouth. But thou shalt, now notice this, meditate thereon, here's the time frame, day and night. Meditate actually means to mutter or to turn over and over and over. Now this, these two thoughts are tied together. Confession and meditation, they work together. I find myself at times unconsciously in the nighttime. Uh, sometimes if I'm struggling to go to sleep, I'll just start muttering the word, thank you, Heavenly Father. You give your beloved sleep. Thank you. Man, it says in Ephesians, I'm accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. It says, uh, David wrote, the psalmist wrote, uh, that you'd give us sleep and that our sleep would be sweet. I thank you for it, Heavenly Father. Then I might just go, if it's something about finances that's bugging me, I'll just begin, oh, I thank you, Father. You said you'd supply all of my need according to your riches. Leah said, what are you, what are you saying? I'm saying, I'm not talking to you. <laughs> and really, I'm not talking to the Lord. You know who I'm talking to? I'm talking to me. I'm talking to me. I'm meditating. I'm muttering. I'm just, you know, kind of sometimes under my breath. Thank you, Heavenly Father. You've not given me a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Thanks be unto God that causes me always to triumph in Christ Jesus. I mean, you just do it over and over and over. And I guarantee you, if you practice that enough, there will be times when you will not have to engage your mind to do it. Your spirit will do it automatically. And sometimes your mind will be surprised by what your spirit is saying. Amen? So meditate there on day and night that thou mayest observe to do. Now, this is obedience. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. Now, here's the thing you've got to understand. If you're not willing to speak the word and meditate on the word, you will never obey the word. That's why I don't criticize people that don't obey the word. People that don't obey the word are not speaking the word and meditating on the word. If you speak the word and meditate, meditate upon the word, then it becomes very easy to be obedient to the word. And when the word puts a demand upon you, when it is not convenient to act upon the word, it's still easy to act on it because you've been meditating on it and speaking it. But if you've not been meditating upon the word and speaking the word, then it becomes very difficult to be obedient to that word. Now, we think about that. Every time we think about it, it's funny how our mind shifts over to finances or to some type of thing we're supposed to do with our character. But, you know, there are other things that we need to obey in the word of God that has nothing to do with money or, or, or going next door to our next door neighbor and telling them about the Lord or witnessing to somebody at Walmart. Things like obeying the word when it says, don't worry. Obeying the word when it says, fear not. Come on, church. See, those kind of areas right there many times is where our faith rises or falls because we think, well, you know, if God told me to do this, I'd do it. If God told me to do that, I'd do that. Or if God told me to do this, I'd do this. But we're unwilling to address those other areas of our life, especially when it comes to worry and fear, and we let worry and fear take us over. And instead of having the word in our hearts and in our mouth, we let worry and fear get in us, and we begin to speak worry and fear, and it begins to dominate us. It's amazing how if you'll allow it, you say, what is worry? Worry is meditation in reverse which means meditation. If anybody, if you know how to worry, you know how to meditate. Anybody know how to worry? We'll cast lying devils out of people later, amen? Every one of us know how to worry. When you sit down or you lay down at night and the thought goes over and over and over and you think about it, it's not gonna work, it's not happening, I'm not gonna make it, I'm gonna be sick. If anybody gets the flu, it's gonna be me. 
What am I going to do if I miss a week of work? I'll go under. Oh, my goodness. I hope I don't get the flu. See, that kind of stuff. What, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to get sick. You're going to end up missing two weeks of work. You're not going to be able to pay your bill. You're going to receive. Let me say it again. You're going to receive that which is dominating you. You're going to receive, I like to say it like this, you're going to receive that what you're overwhelmed by. One of the things that really impressed me as a young uh, Christian in Bible school in 1984, Pastor uh, Dodie Osteen came and gave her her testimony about being healed uh, of metastatic cancer of the liver. When they diagnosed her with that, they gave her six weeks to live. Six weeks. Amen. You heard about the guy who went in and, and he got a diagnosis. And the doctor said, yeah, I'm going to give you two weeks to live. And the guy said, man, there ain't no way I can pay this bill in two weeks. He said, well, I'll give you a month then. <laughs> Just thought I'd wake you up. So she told us, she told our Bible school class, she said they gave her 60, six weeks to live. So she stood on the word. Now, this is what she said that impressed me so much. She said, when that doctor in that white coat sitting across that desk in his medical office with all those degrees on the wall, her and Pastor John Osteen were sitting across the desk from him. When he gave us that diagnosis, he said, she said, I could physically feel the words hitting me. She said, we were so overwhelmed, we did not know what to do. She said, it, the, the, the diagnosis overwhelmed us. And the doctor looked across uh, 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 the, the, the uh, desk and told Brother Osteen, he said, uh, unless you get a miracle, your wife will die. And he looked back across the desk at, the, at that doctor and said, we will get our miracle. Now, this is, what, this is what she said that impressed me. She said, we went back to the house. Uh, we laid down on the floor. We prayed our prayer of faith and we settled. I'm healed in Jesus' name. She said, I knew this. She said, I was so overwhelmed by that diagnosis that I knew I had to get into the, into the Word of God and become more overwhelmed by the Word of God than I was by the diagnosis. Because see, whatever you're overwhelmed with will dominate you. So she said cancer was this huge voice. Cancer, cancer, cancer that was screaming in her body. Way down in her spirit, she said, was these little words. By his stripes, I am healed. So she said, I just, every day. She, many of you have read her book, seen the big confession she would make. Every day, she would confess the word. Several times a day, speak the word, speak the word. She said, I began to turn the corner of being so overwhelmed by that diagnosis to becoming overwhelmed by the Word of God. He said one of the things that helped her, she said she had been speaking the Word, speaking the Word, standing in faith. She said every day she'd do her best to get up. Every day she'd do her best to cook food for her family. Every day she'd do her best to clean her house. She went down. Some of y'all, I don't know, some of y'all, I know Ted and Ella knew back then. She went down. She, she looked scary. I mean, I mean, just down to, I think it was 80-something pounds she went down to, just skin and bones. I mean, just horrible looking. And just, I mean, it was just terrible. But she stood on the Word, stood on the Word. She said, finally, she got to the point where I began to get more overwhelmed by what the Word said than then what that diagnosed. She said, cancer, began to say, cancer, cancer, cancer. Then over here, the voice began to say, by his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. By his stripes I'm healed. And she said, finally, after a year of that, See, she was only supposed to live six months. A year later, she began to gain weight. She began to be, get strength. Went back to the doctor. They could find no cancer in her body. She said, now the word cancer, cancer, 
But over here on this side, it was, by his stripes, I'm healed. By his stripes, I'm healed. See, you got to be willing to get the word in your mouth and meditate and get it in your mouth and meditate and get it in your mouth and in your heart and meditate and speak it and allow yourself to become more overwhelmed by what the word of God says than you are overwhelmed by what everybody else is saying. I listened to two of those. We were, you know, I mean, we had some time to hang out as a family and watch movies and do that. So, you know, uh, different times, uh, Leah would be preparing food and breakfast. So I'd watch the news to see what was going on, wanted to know what the weather was like. And I'd watch those, I'd watch those uh, 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 reports on the, on the flu. And up north, I mean, cities were shutting down and, and schools were shutting down. And people were, and you could just, in, the, in that interview, they'd stick a microphone in somebody's, in front of some health official's face uh, from some city in the northeast. And you could see the panic in their eyes and hear the uh, concern in their mouth. Oh yeah, seven out of 10 have got the flu and the, this is shut down and that's shut down. And we recommend that if you go out in public, you wear them and all this kind of stuff. And I thought to myself, they're overwhelmed. They're talking about the emergency rooms. We don't have uh, two different hospitals up there. It showed them setting up tents out in the parking lot. Overwhelmed. But see, the church should be overwhelmed by the word of God. This is still the sanctuary. We're still the people of God. By his stripes, we are healed. It's still his word to us for healing, not you're going to have the flu because everybody else is getting it. Meditate there on day and night that thou may observe us to do all according to the written, is there, written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. Let's do that a minute. Let's go over. I picked a scripture, one of my favorites. Of course, most of my favorite scriptures are in the letters to the church, but this is still, I like this one in Isaiah 41. Let's meditate on it a little bit. Isaiah 41, let's look at verse 10. And we'll just take this since we're teaching this morning. Let's just take this scripture in Isaiah 41.10 and I'm just going to kind of give you a little illustration, a visual illustration, how I have taken this scripture over the years, meditated on it in order that I might live a life fearless. Everybody say fearless. Now you got to understand, I don't know how the enemy fights you, but me, he fights on different levels, especially when it comes to obeying God, to see the will of God done in my life personally and in our ministry. Now, the first thing the enemy wants to do is paint a picture of your demise, your destruction, your defeat. Amen? Have you ever noticed that? And so, you've got to make a decision to allow the Holy Ghost by the Word of God. I've always kind of seen it like this in my mind, that, that, that your spirit man is kind of like a blank canvas and that the Holy Ghost is the master artist. And he has the ability to dip his brush in the blood-soaked pages of the Word of God and paint the picture of your redemption on the inside of you. But you've got to allow him to do it. And then you, by faith, take which, that which the Holy Ghost paints on the inside of you. You, by faith, you bring it to the outside. You bring it into your body, into your family, into your finances, into every area of your life. The number one area the enemy will fight people in is the area of fear because fear will destroy you. Fear is the opposite of faith. Now, let me just say this right up front. Faith is not the ability to not have any fear. Faith is the ability to do what God says in spite of the fear. 
Amen. I heard some guys teach on that one time. Says, well, you can't have any faith. If there's any fear in your life, then, then, then you know you 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 can't have any faith because you can't have faith and fear in the same you know in the same vessel. And so I heard a lot of teaching on, well, you know, if you've got fear, then you don't have faith. You need to starve your fear and, and feed your faith. Well, I agree with all of that. But the thing is, there will be times in your life where you will have to make a faith or fear choice in which fear will be telling you, do not do that, do not do that, do not obey God, and you'll have to stand in faith and say, okay, God, I know what fear is trying to say, but I know what your word says. I'm going to obey your word. So faith is not the absence of fear, but faith is the ability to respond to and obey the word of God, even though fear is telling you not to. I'll let that sink in a minute. Now notice verse 10, I like it. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now, in 1988, I went for the first time uh, uh, to the nation of Ireland. And we flew over there and ministered and came back. And right after, I mean, I wasn't back. We weren't back a week. When, y'all remember that, uh, uh, I forget what the flight number, Pan Am 33 or whatever it was. It blew up over Lockerbie, Scotland. Do you remember that? That happened the week after I got back from Ireland. And I thought to myself, you know, that's wild. And so the next time I was flying to Europe was, that was in December. I flew back to Europe in February. Yeah, February. I flew back in February. And then flew back again in May. But when I was getting ready to go back in February, I mean, I had watched the, uh, you know, dominated the news for two or three days uh, because it was a terrorist attack. Some terrorist had put a bomb in the plane and all that kind of stuff and it blew up over uh, Lockerbie. And at that time, there was an enormous amount of terrorism going on in Ireland. The IRA was very active in the north. Uh, there had been some cities blown up. There had been all kinds of stuff that was happening. And the enemy began to try to put fear on me. And I remember flying over there on a Delta airliner. And the enemy just, just, I could almost close my eyes and see it in vivid color. The picture of the airplane exploding. Uh, the funeral at the church. Everybody mourning, well, he's in heaven, you know, and all that. And I could see, and I remember saying out loud, I said this out loud. I said, devil, you're a liar. And if you put a bomb on this plane and you blow this plane up, I will ride the wing down. I will grab the wing and I will ride it down to the ground. When it hits the ocean, I will be laying on the wing, rejoicing and praising God when they find me out in the middle of the ocean. I remember having to say that out loud because he just kept tormenting me, tormenting me, tormenting me because I had exposed myself, overly exposed myself to too many reports about that explosion that happened to that Pan Am airliner over Lockerbie, Scotland. And then he was trying to put a fear of flying on me. And so I just had to fight it. I had to get the word in my mouth. I had to meditate on it. I began to say, fear not. Why? God says, I am with thee. Be not dismayed. Why? For I am thy God. If you're going to walk in faith and not fear, you're going to have to always remember that God, the God, not a God, but the God of the universe is your God. The God that created all that is, was, and will ever be. God, the God that the Bible says in Isaiah, he holds you in the palm of his hand. The God that can do anything you can believe him to do. You've got to make a decision. I'm going to get overwhelmed with the word and fear is not going to dominate me. So many people are reluctant to obey God because of that one thing right there because of fear. Now notice what it says. Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I like this. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. 
Now say it with me. Say, I will strengthen thee. Say, I will help thee. Say, I will uphold thee. Now let's say it again. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee. Now who's saying that? Who's saying that? The government's not saying it. Mom and dad aren't saying it. Amen. Yeah, God is saying that. I mean, you go around and start saying, oh, God said he'd strengthen me. I'm going to be strengthened. God said he'd help him. God said he would help me. God said he would uphold me. If you begin to say that, meditate upon that, say that, meditate upon that, you can take this one scripture right here and overcome fear in every area of your life. Leah, she went when we, we were married in, in September of 1986. No, in August of 1986. Man, I'm glad she wasn't here. But September, we were married on August the 11th, August the 9th. Man, I'll get it here in a minute. I'm getting ready for the next service. No, I don't have to preach, do I? Tim's going to be, glory to God. August the 9th, 1986, we got married. I came, uh, we came to the, uh, we got a little church over in uh, Texas City, a Lutheran church. We had the service there. The pastors of the church we went to came, did the service. We left, went on a vacation to Mexico that lasted five days, came home, turned around, and I flew to Florence, Kentucky to preach in Pastor Clady Keith's church. Now, I left. I mean, we got married five days. Boom, we're back from the honeymoon. I'm gone. Came back, and I think right on the heels of that, we went to Belize on an airlift from the Full Gospel Businessmen. Well, Leah was just, you know, here I, I hear I, we got married, had a wonderful time, what great honeymoon, came back. He's gone. Here I am back home for two or three days, gone again. Come back, I'm home for a day, gone again. Well, fear started to develop in her. She began to, she began to be fearful of, of is he going to die in a plane crash? Or he's going to these different nations. The devil began to torment her mind. So she began to fight that fear. She began to oppose that fear. She had a fear of loneliness. She had a fear of isolation. Uh, there were several other different things that were working, uh, uh, some things that had gone on in her life before we got married and actually before she got saved that created real fear on the inside of her, things that were in her family and her mom and her grandmother that had to do with fear. But she stood on the word and stood on the word. And it was about a one-year process in her and stood on the word and confessed the scripture and stood on the word until finally she broke that thing in her own life. Now, here's the thing you got to understand. You come down the front, I'll pray for you. I'll do everything I can do to minister the anointing, the word of God to you. But there comes a time when you're going to have to stand up on your own two feet. And you're going to have to say to fear, you're not, you're not going to overcome me. You're not going to overwhelm me. I'm going to be just like Joshua. I'm going to rise up and possess the promises God says belongs to me. I'm not going to be fearful. I'm not going to be afraid. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to do the will of God. I'm going to do the word of God. Fear, you're not my friend. You're leaving my life in the name of Jesus. God told me to fear not. And if God told me I don't have to fear, then I don't have to fear. He said he would strengthen me. He said he would help me. He said he would uphold me. So I trust his word. And you've got to speak to fear like you would speak to a person. You got to say to fear, fear, you're not going to dominate me. Fear, you're not going to overwhelm me. Fear, you're not going to overcome me. And you got to tell fear this, you're not going to tell me what I can and cannot do. Because every time fear tries to get into your life, what it's trying to do is challenge your obedience to the word. You have a little problem in your finances and fear will get in you and say, you can't tithe. You can't offer, you can't give no offering. Now you can go to church. Now we never criticize people. That's why we tell people, don't give if you're in fear. If you're in fear, hang on to your money. 
Say, well, pastor, I was going to give it, but I'm so afraid I'm not going to pay my bills. No, just put it up on the shelf. Put it up on the shelf. And listen, get, get, get some of my tapes. You can get them. Where's Gabe at? Gabe will get you some tapes. He'll get you some CDs. Get, you, get the Bible. Take, I tell you what, just take, our, just take our confession that we make over our offering. Say that once a day, every day for a week. And then say to fear, fear, you're a liar. I'm not going to disobey God. I'm going to obey. Then bring your offering back and give it in faith. And God will bless you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. That's how it works. So now notice, how's my time? Oh, I still got five minutes. Isn't that good? Fear not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. I will help thee. I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Now notice this. Behold, all they that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing. They that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, shall not find them. Even them that contend with thee, they that war against thee shall be as nothing and as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will uphold thy right hand, saying unto thee, fear not, I will help thee. That's why you got to use your imagination. Walking through life, keep your hand in his hand. Keep your hand in his hand. You ever seen the little footsteps things? Uh, uh, I've read it several times. You know, the, uh, people think it comes out of the Bible, but it's not in the Bible. And it shows a set of footprints and, 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 uh, and the story goes, well, you know, the Lord uh, said, you know, uh, I was walking with you here. And then you say, well, there's only one set of footprints. And the Lord says, well, that's when I carried you. Isn't that sweet? <laughs> hey, man, I hate killing sacred cows, but you know, it's not in the Bible. No, he said he will uphold you. He will hold you with your hand and there'll still be two sets of footprints as you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, but you will fear no evil. There will still be two sets of footprints. He will not be carrying you. No, he will be guiding you. He will be leading you. He will be saying, just hang on to my hand. Come on, take the next step. Take the next step after that. Fear is not going to overcome you. It's not going to overwhelm you. Just keep walking in faith. Come on, keep on walking in faith. Just keep your hand in my hand. Don't let go. Don't let go. You still got to leave your footprints down here on the earth. Because people, oh, they'll, they'll, they'll put that up on their wall and they'll believe that before they'll believe the word of God. Amen. Oh, I hope I didn't hurt somebody's feelings, but we're going to stick with the word. Amen. The footprint thing ain't going to make you an overcomer. Hallelujah. That's like, uh, I heard a preacher one time say uh, that he preached two weeks on uh, God works in wondrous ways. Uh, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform, for he realized that wasn't in the Bible. Well, we're going to stick with the Bible. Real quick, let me close. In the Amplified, fear not, verse 10, there is nothing to fear. For I am with you. Do not look around in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. Yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. Behold, all they who are enraged and inflamed against you shall be put to shame and confounded. They who strive against you shall be as nothing and shall perish. You shall seek those who contend with you, but you shall not find them. They who war against you shall be as nothing, nothing at all. For I, the Lord your God, for I, the Lord your God, Hold your right hand. I am the Lord who says to you, fear not, I will help you. Now, in closing, let me say this. 
God, Jesus, the Holy Ghost, the Word of God, faith, the anointing, all of it is designed for you to stand up in faith and look over at something that seems like it's something and say, that ain't nothing. See, the enemy wants you to think something is something. God wants you to think something is nothing. Do you get that? That's just denial. No, 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 no. It's not not denial. It's application of the word of God to your life. The devil wants you, the flu. Now that's something. The whole country's got it. It's inevitable. You're going to get it. Somebody's going to sneeze on you. That's going to be it. God's over here saying this. Fear not. I'm with you. I've already provided provision. His name is Jesus. He took stripes on his back so you don't have to have the flu. So stand in faith because the devil's trying to, make, trying to get you to make something out of nothing. Because what does God call the flu? Nothing. What does he call cancer? Nothing. What does he call debt? Nothing. What does he call financial difficulty? Nothing. It's we who call it something. And what the enemy is trying to get you to do through fear is to make something out of what God calls nothing. The enemies, we, know, we, don't, we don't have a physical army out there fighting us. We've got a spiritual army out there fighting us. A bunch of demons, a bunch of devils trying to come to our mind. Nah, that's really something. That's really something. I'm telling you, that's re- really something. Seven out of 10 people, that's really something. Whole school district, it's really something. Overwhelmed emergency rooms, that's really something. It showed the map of all the states and the colors showed the different, how many have seen that? The different uh, degrees in which the, the flu, this is a major outbreak, minor outbreak, oh, it tastes getting serious. No, no, that's, it's nothing, it's nothing. I tell you, when it comes on the TV, that's what we say. I mean, soon as soon as they say that, well, seven out of 10, gonna get the flu. I mean, it just came out of me and Leah like this. Not us, not us. See, if you don't respond, If you don't respond, not us. We're the three that won't. Lee and I and Breland, we're the three that won't. Seven out of 10, three of us ain't gonna get it. I can't speak for you, but for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord, amen? So we're not gonna let the enemy take what God calls nothing and make something out of it. Fear not. He's with you. He will strengthen you. He will help you. He will uphold you with the right hand of his righteousness, and he'll walk through life with you hand in hand, looking down to you saying this, fear not, I'm your God. 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 Amen? Hallelujah. Lift your hands up and thank the Lord this morning. Father, we bless your name. Oh, thank you, Father, that we can meditate on your word, that the entrance of your word is light and life to us for the anointing of the Holy Ghost, for the life and the power of God. We're so thankful, so thankful, so thankful. Thank you for the anointing that comes by your word being taught, Lord. That the very atmosphere of Island Church right now is infused with your word. Faith is here, not fear. Healing is here, not sickness and disease. Deliverance is here, not bondage. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. We trust you enjoyed the podcast. We extend an invitation to you. Come join us in one of our services, Sunday morning, 1045, Tuesday prayer, 730, Thursday evening, midweek service, 730. We are located 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. See you there.